Uh, today I have the distinct pleasure to share the Word of God with you in relation to a series that we started last week. We started a series entitled Making Life Investments. I want you to really think about this. Have you ever thought about the fact that you're always making investments in life? You're always investing into something, into somewhere, someone, somewhere. We're always investing. We learned last week that the investments that we make, that they're based upon a kingdom principle. It's this principle of sowing and reaping. And whether we consciously acknowledge it or think about it, what we sow, we always reap. And I posed a tough question last week. I posed a question where I said, well, what are you reaping? What are you reaping in life? What are you reaping in your relationships? What are you reaping in the workplace? What are you reaping in your home? What are you reaping with your children? What are you reaping uh, in every area of your life? Because what you're reaping is indication is an indication of what you've been sowing. And we never really take time, if we're honest with ourselves, to really think about investments and the investments that we make in our life. And there's a reason why that's so important, because according to Scripture, what you sow, you reap, but you don't just reap it, you reap it multiplied. And so if we're sowing good seed, and I'm not talking about finances here, although that, that's a part of this, but what I'm talking about is in any area of our, of our lives, according to the kingdom principle, what we sow, we reap in a greater measure. And so if you're sowing good seed, you can expect that to a greater measure. But if you're sowing bad seed, then guess what? We can expect that in greater measure as well. And that should be a sobering thought for us as we think about the investments that we are making in life. And so today I have uh, the opportunity to share with you specific to a topic that some of us might be overlooking, our time. Because our time is an investment. And what we do with our time really factors into so many different areas of our life. You know, it's, time is one of the most prized and valuable resources available to us all that's poorly invested. And if you really think about this, every one of us has time. Each and every one of us has been blessed, has been graced with the gift of time. God has given you and I time. Everybody take a deep breath. That just serves to remind you you're alive. And guess what? You've been graced with time. God has favored you to give you this gift of time. Now, if you're like me, at some point you've made statements like this. I don't have enough time. You ever made that statement? Well, let's really think about that. What does that mean? Does it mean that you have less time than anybody else? Does it mean that somebody has more time than you and you have uh, more time than them in other areas? Uh, how about this one? I ran out of time. Does that mean that the clock of life stopped ticking for you? That somehow uh, you've ceased to be for a moment and then you kind of come back up? What about this, uh, uh, th this statement? I can save some time if I only do fill in the blanks. What does that really mean if we think about it? Does it mean that you can store up time for another time when you want to use it? You're starting to see the importance of time here. Let me tell you why I share those statements with you, because statements like those and others, as a matter of fact, somebody in between services 
says to me, oh, pastor, what about when we say I'm killing time? And I want you to think about that statement in and of itself. We all have time. So it's not really about killing time, but could it be that you're killing the seed of your harvest? You're not doing something purposeful with that time. So these statements and others like them reveal how much we really do underappreciate the time that God has graced us with. And what it also uh, enlightens us to is how we can so easily misuse it. And so let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 17. And it says this, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, there's quite a few different things in this portion of Scripture that it's alluding to in context when it talks about the will of the Lord. But what I want us to see is that there is the will of the Lord as it relates to our time. And I want to reread this again and kind of unpack it so that we can glean some greater understanding and truth from what the Word is revealing here. When the Bible talks about walking circumspectly, it's talking about a manner of life that is exact, precise, accurate, and perfect. And maybe you're saying, well, I don't know about that perfect, Pastor. Uh, being perfect. I'm not perfect. Well, God is perfect. And we, and what the Bible's giving us here is an example of how we are to live life. And so it tells us that we're to be exact. We're to be precise. We're to operate with accuracy when it comes to our life. Does that sound like what we do with our time sometimes? Not always. There are times that what we do with our time is we kind of just let the time pass and we follow after time. And we say, oh, the time escaped me. And what that really means is we weren't precise with our time. We weren't responsible with our time. And so God's word says, not my opinion, God's word says that we should walk circumspectly, that we should live with exactness. Watch this. Not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time and when it talks about redeeming it's talking about making one wise it also talks about setting it apart setting apart an opportunity as sacred in other words as holy as valuable as something of great worth and i want you to consider this that if time is a gift from god shouldn't we be wise and set it apart as holy Shouldn't we be exact with time? Shouldn't we operate with wisdom when it comes to time? And so notice that there are two types of people that use time. There's the foolish person and then there's the wise person. But only one of them can reap the benefits, the blessing that time is meant to render unto us. And it's the wise person. So here's a good point to start with. Godly wisdom is necessary to wisely invest time. Godly wisdom is necessary to wisely invest time. And so 
the wise person is the one that takes the perspective of God as it pertains to time and wisely uses that time to reap a harvest. So some fun facts here that I want to share with you about time for us to consider. We all have the same amount of time. How many of you have 24 hours of time? Raise your hand with me if you got 24 hours of time. Raise your hand, raise your hand. It's okay. Nobody's going to chop your hand. We all got 24 hours. But here's the, here's the cool thing about it. Nobody has any more than the other. And nobody has any less. We all have 24 hours a day. The difference is we all don't use time the same way. We all don't use it the same way. We're all equal. We're all on the same playing field when it comes to the gift of time. And so we have to wonder then, why is it that some people seem to have more time for important things like the things relating to the kingdom of God? Why is it that some people seem to have more time in the midst of what appears to be a busy schedule? They have a full-time job, maybe two jobs. They're raising children. They have responsibilities to family. They have responsibilities to certain organizations or whatever they're involved in. And some of us might look at that and go, wow, they do all that and they still have time to do this. They still have time to build a relationship with their children. They still have time to invest into a loving marriage. They still have time to build a home. They still have time to be involved in their church. They still have time to somehow get involved in the community. And we wonder in, and we're baffled and say, how is that possible? And it boils down to this one fact, that they make better investments with their time and they use their time more wisely. When it comes to time, the truth is that many of us will look at it as in terms of the quantity of time. And what we fail to realize is the quality of the time that we have in our hands and how we use it. I've done more relationship building with my kids in 10 minute spans than I have over hours I've led a busy, my, my kids could tell you. My son is there, my daughter's downstairs working with the kids. They could tell you. I'm always on the go, 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 go. But it's those moments of time that we're together that it's not about quantity, it's quality. If you're a parent, this will set you free. Because many times we live in guilt based on the time that we devote in terms of the quantity with our children, and we overlook the quality. It's what we do with those moments that we make them last. We make them valuable. And so it really comes down to what we do with time. Proverbs 6, verses 6 and 11, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, says this. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. I want to draw your attention to something. It's talking about two seasons of time. And so let's read verse 9. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Investing time should always be done with the intent of reaping a harvest. Let me tell you what I mean by that. 
if you look at verse 8, it talks about the ants. And the, the, the point here is what we do in times of season and what they're intended to do later on, what comes from them. And so notice that the ant prepares her bread in summer. Can I ask you a question? You ever seen an ant? I've never seen an ant baking bread. So that's not what the Bible's talking about there. What it's talking about is what the, the ant does in the season of summer, which produces something with which it can eat. And if you ever look at ants, they're always busy. They're always looking. They're always searching. They're always dragging a crumb. They're always doing something. Why? Because they have a future harvest in mind. See, in summertime, everybody eats. But in the winter, only the strong survive. And let me point something out to you about the strong in this context. The strong think about tomorrow with the time they have today. That preaches volumes there if we just stop and consider the truth in that. While time for rest and re relaxation is a necessity, that's not the point here. Listen, an attitude of rest and relaxation, putting things off will rob us of a plentiful harvest. And so here's a good question to consider. What am I doing with my time? How am I investing my time now? Because tomorrow doesn't begin tomorrow. Tomorrow begins today. Tomorrow begins at this very moment. See, you've made an investment with your time. But what will you do with the investment of your time and what you're reaping from it? And how will you sow that for tomorrow? How will you respond to the word of God today? What you get from the word today? How will it impact your approach to the time that you've been blessed with? We have to do something today for tomorrow. See, time can't be stored. Believe it or not, time cannot be stored. Oh, let me save some time. I can collect all your watches and guarantee you I, I don't have enough time. I, I don't have more time because of it. There's no such thing as saving time. What it really turns out to, what it really looks like is that we are taking time and prioritizing it. We're shifting it around. This is of more value. This is of more importance to me. And so there's only one thing that we can do with time. Time must be invested as we receive it. We all have time, so when you wake up, what are you doing with that time? You've received the gift of time. I know some young people, no, no, no condemnation here, but I know some young people that sleep till 12 o'clock. 12, 1 o'clock. And in my mind, I'm questioning, what could you have done with that time? And so we all have to be mindful. And that's not a knock just on young people. There's some older people that do that. I have a sister that does that, to her shame. But what are we doing with time? Time must be invested as we receive it. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. It says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So let me give you a, a roadmap here as we read the rest of these verses. What the Bible, what God is literally establishing here is that there is a time within a season, and there's a purpose for it. So here's what God is saying. 
for every moment of time that we have, there's, uh, uh, that we receive, there's something that's supposed to happen with it. And so remember, the point is that time must be invested as we receive it. So to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. According to God, there is time for everything. There is time for everything. There is no such thing as I don't have time for this. No, the truth is you did not use that time correctly. And so, or should I say, we did not use that time correctly because I include myself in that. And so notice that what we see here is that in each allotment of time that we have, there must be a corresponding investment of that time. So if you're in a season where you're raising a child, guess what? You should be sowing time into that. And you should be doing something with the time that you have at that moment because they will grow old. And if you didn't invest correctly in the beginning, you'll reap a harvest, a heartache for years to come. That is the truth. If you're, me and my wife, we're in an interesting season. My daughter's engaged. She's getting married next year. My son is madly in love with his girlfriend and there's, the wind's swirling and there's conversation happening and who knows, that may change soon enough. And so me and my wife are in a season where we raised our children. And now it's like, hey, mom, what's for dinner? I don't know. We're out. <laughs> you, work, you just got home from work? You should cook something. We're in that season. But in that season, some things have changed. We now have more time with each other. And guess what we're doing? We're rediscovering some things that we've overlooked. We're investing into our marriage. We're investing into the season that's to come when grandchildren come. We're investing into the season where now our children are on their own, but when they come to us, now we don't dictate to them what they're to do. No, what we do is we come as counselors. We listen, we encourage, but we do not tell them what they're to do because they've now moved on. And so in the time that we have, the season that we're in, we must take that time as the blessing that it is. We must use what we've received. Here's another point that we need to consider. We need to establish what's most, most valuable when it comes to time. This is, this is how we begin to now invest time wisely. We must establish what's most, what is most valuable. See, we all have a value system. Can we agree with that? We all hold things that are more important than others. And isn't it interesting that what's most important, we devote, we devote the most time to usually? We devote the most time to it. So question, something to consider. Take your time 
and break it up and evaluate for yourself. Even kind of create a chart for yourself, a pie even. Where's the majority of your time going? And ask yourself this, is it a healthy investment? Is it a wise investment? Is it a good investment? If we really stop to consider how good God is, he's given us time, but he's not commandeering to us what we do with it. He trusts us and believes in us enough to give us time that we must account for it. And so we have to choose what's most valuable. We have to establish that. To invest into what's most valuable, you have to give something up. You have to give something up. And to establish it, you have to uh, put less time into something else. So you have to reorient your values. We all do. We have to esteem what's most valuable. I remember years ago, my wife and I uh, worked in the city. We first moved up here and we bought a town home because I was not going to commute to the city and shovel snow and cut grass. It just wasn't feasible. It wasn't a good use of time. But we were both commuting, and so we bought a, a really nice town home and we're still there and we're now evaluating, hey, life has changed. Maybe we need to shift some things around. Uh, but in any event, I was investing a lot of time commuting to the city. And at that point, my job was in the city, but my life was here. My wife was here, my children were here, my church was upstate, my friends were upstate, uh, family. And so I began to feel this pulling on me. And I realized that I, I wasn't happy. While I reaped a paycheck from my commute to the city, I was, everything else was heartache. And now I understand that some of us, we commute. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying, please, I'm telling you my story. I'm not saying this is yours. But what I will say is this, that I got to a point where outside of a paycheck, I was miserable. I hated it. I did not want to do it. And so I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, everything that I know to be life is upstate. Everything is there. But I'm commuting and I'm working and I'm, I'm responsible for all these programs. So I'm gone out of the home 15 hours a day. I'm working 10 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours because I was one of those that even when I was on the train, I'm still working. When, I, when I'm on the train, I'm typing myself notes in my Blackberry at that time. I know it's an Apple world now. Thank God, right? But I was, you know, I'm working on my phone, you know, writing notes for myself and preparing for other things. And I was miserable. And so I said, Lord, this isn't my heart. And while I can do my job and coast, my heart isn't there. And so I, I established a value but then it, there came a cost. And I didn't make a rash decision. I went before the Lord, and before long, the Lord revealed to me, son, I'm calling you to full-time ministry. And that came at a cost, because I gave up a six-figure salary for a five-figure one. And it wasn't close <laughs> together. It came at a cost. 
And so in establishing what was most valuable, I accepted this truth. I've got to give something up. Look at what Jesus says in uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 12 through uh, 14. He says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek one that is straying? If he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So let's check out a principle here. Let's think about this. It doesn't just require looking at what we think is most valuable. When, when it comes to what's most valuable, we will count the cost and go after what's most important. And while the 99 to the Lord is important, so is the one. And so at a cost, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. What would happen if we really looked at our time and identified what's most important to me? Ask yourself this question. Don't factor into account money. If I could do this, if I had the time, what would you be doing? And now that you've thought about that, realize something. You've identified, you've identified something that is truly valuable to you. What do you have to give up for that? What do you have to give up to that? And what's the tie that keeps you to that which you think is necessary? Is it money? Is it people? Is it relationships? Didn't Jesus say himself, don't worry about these things, these, these, these things that pass away? Don't worry about today. Sufficient, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient of the cares for today. Focus on the time you have right now. So we've got to establish what's most important. But I want to bring in a valuable point here. That we must invest time in the kingdom of God first. If we truly subscribe to the title, if we truly take that seriously, that we are Christian, that you are a child of God, then watch what Jesus himself had to say about the investments that we make. Matthew 6, 31 through 34, I'm reading from the New International Version, says this, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the big idea of life. I need this. I need that. I'm drawn to this. I'm pulled to that. And so let's read verse 33. But seek first his kingdom. Did he say seek second? Did he say seek third? Did he say seek when you have some time? No, it's a number one priority. It's top priority. So he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so I want to point something out to you from verse 33. That notice that when the heart attitude is kingdom first, God first, 
that everything else is added unto you. Not just what you need, but those, those other areas where your heart is pulled, where you have a desire, where you have a passion. And so a wise investment of our time, what does that look like when it comes to kingdom of God first? Some of you might consider it and say, well, I'm here. So it is kingdom of God first. But we can't equate kingdom of God first by our affiliation or our attendance to a facility. When it really comes down to it, kingdom of God first comes down to personal relationship Amen. with Jesus. Amen. I was having a conversation with a friend recently and he was sharing with me about his, his struggle. And he says, man, you know, I, I, I want what you've got. And I said, well, I've got exactly what you have. Jesus is my Lord, just, he's like, just like he's yours. But he says, no, but, but you have peace. I don't have peace. And I said, peace comes as a result of personal relationship. And so while you're a Christian, is this relationship with Jesus personal? Do your decisions revolve around Jesus? Does your perspective revolve around Jesus? Does the information that you draw from revolve around Jesus? Because if, it, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, you've heard it, he's not Lord at all. And so it's kingdom first. And we, we would be wise to invest time into that personal relationship with Christ. Can you imagine the results that we would get if we just followed the model of the tithe? Now, I'm not telling to you, I'm not saying to you, it's gospel that you have to invest 10% of your time. That's not what I said here. But I'm just using this as an example. If we just took 10% of our time, every one of us has 1,440 minutes available to us every day. That's 24 hours. Minus 8 hours or 480 minutes of that, that leaves you with 960 minutes a day. 10% of 960 minutes is 96 minutes. That's an hour and a half plus six minutes. Question, can you devote an hour and a half of your time in a day to your relationship with God? Now, here's what some of us think when we hear that. We think, oh my God, I have to take out a whole hour and a half? And you think of a block of time of an hour and 36 minutes to devote time to, man, I can't, I can't even read the Bible for five minutes, Pastor Jose, I get sleepy. Can I tell you something? I don't spend an hour and a half praying every day, all the time, a block of an hour and a half praying. But I will tell you this, that throughout the day, I'm constantly talking to the Lord. Throughout the day, I'm thinking about what the Word says in relation to whatever I'm faced with. And then I have those moments where it's what some people might call dead time, where I don't have anything to do. And you know what, I, what I'm doing with that? I'm talking to the Lord. I'm meditating on the word. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking about the future. I'm doing something with my time as it relates to my personal relationship with Jesus. Well, I don't got an hour and a half, Pastor. Do you have 5% of your time? That's 48 minutes. You know what the truth is? That most people don't even devote 1%. That's 9.6 minutes. 
And you know, if we really do the math on that and really think about that realistically, here's what that means. That 99% of whatever it is that I devote my time to is more important than God, than the kingdom, than to my personal relationship with God. I will devote 1% of my time. Can I read to you? Let's put that back up, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom. You know, if you really think about what Jesus is saying, it's not even 10% of our time. Everything we do with our time should be centered around Christ. How do you do that on the job? How about living what you believe? How about loving your neighbor as yourself? How about walking in love? How about not compromising what we know to be true from the word? How about sharing what God has done in your life through Christ? How about sharing the impact of that, not just in your life, but in your home? How about sharing where God took you from and where he's taking you to today and where you're going? That's all an investment of your time in a personal relationship with Christ. In the workplace, amongst your friends, in your home. Yesterday, I made a personal investment of my time. My time with my family. And you know what? It was the best investment I made because it was an investment into the kingdom of God as I did what the word says. We broke bread. We joined together. We devoted ourselves to the word. And watch what the math equals according to the word of God. And God added to them daily those who were being saved. Kingdom first is best. Amen? So we should be investing our time into the kingdom. And the last point that I want to leave you with here today is this. I'm going to talk to you about distractions. Because we've all been in that place where we're investing our time into something that truly is valuable. And then a distraction comes. I do that all the time. I know it drives some of you guys crazy. I'm talking to you and we're in the middle of a conversation and something comes up or there's someone who's, who's in need and I go, can you excuse me for a moment? And I kind of do this and here I am and now I'm meeting a need here. And I do that all the time. And that's not always a good thing. We need to guard our time. And one of the best ways to wisely invest our time and protect that investment it's by avoiding distractions. In the book of Luke, I know some of you, maybe you've heard the story, but I want you to hear this with fresh ears. And if you've never heard it, then I want you to consider the truth of what's happening here. The book of Luke chapter 10, uh, we're going to look at a few verses. I'm going to just give you some context for this story. We find that there were two women with Jesus in their home. They invited Jesus over, and Jesus is there with his disciples. And these women are sisters. There was Martha... And then there's Mary. But there's two stories going on in the midst of the same home with the same Jesus. One goes to the open area where Jesus sat with his disciples and she sat at his feet and she listened to what he was teaching. The other one took to the back and busied herself with many things the Bible says. And so the Bible says that 
this woman in the back, Martha, reaches a boiling point. She says, enough! And she storms in and she says, Lord, don't you care that I'm in the back busy with all these things while my sister's here not helping me? Let's read Jesus' response in verses 41 and 42 of Luke chapter 10. It says, And Jesus answered and he said to her, Martha, Martha. Now, I, I tend to believe, this is just my own personal opinion. I'm going to tell you that this is what it is. But I believe that there's a reason why Jesus said Martha twice. I believe that Martha was so preoccupied with all those things that here's what it kind of sounded like. Martha. Hey, Martha. Martha. In other words, Martha, snap out of it. Martha, refocus. Martha, you're divided. Martha, you're so preoccupied and you're investing all your time and all your energy into all these other things. He says to her, you're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Just one thing. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. We see that the will of God here reveals something to us. God wants us to focus not on many things. But I want to, oh, but Pastor Jose, you don't understand. I'm a great multitasker. You know what that means? You're great at dividing yourself. You're great at juggling many things and putting all this pressure on yourself. And Jesus says to Martha, look at Mary. She's investing her time in one thing right now. And he calls it the good part. That which will not be taken away from her. Hey, listen, we've all, we all have time. All of us. We all have the same allotment of time. It's a level playing field with our time. The question is, what will we do with our time? Will we invest it wisely? You know what's interesting about time? That if you don't guard it, and if you don't invest it wisely, somebody will come into your life and invest your time for you. They will tell you what you're doing with your time. They will. It can be in a workplace. It can be people. It can be uh, uh, in your own home. But your time will be dictated to you if you're not careful. And you'll be miserable, will be miserable. Because time was given to us individually to steward. It was never meant to be dictated to us how we use it by someone else. And so time, God invested it into our lives. He's given us the breath of life. What will we do with it? I, I pray that as you leave here today, that you will really leave here considering what you're doing with your time. 
How are you sowing that time? Are you wasting it? Some of you, you're going to college. You're in college. And you learn, you'll learn or you've learned very quickly. You walk into that classroom and you're late and you go, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late. My first professor said to me, I don't care if you show up or not. Get paid either way. It's up to you what you get out of this class. It's up to you what you invest into your study time. And you know what I did the first year? I bombed. I was on academic probation the first semester. The first. Why? Didn't know how to manage my time. Did not value my time. We should all value time. We're responsible for it.